Dee Dee Moonflyer here. Welcome to the Twilight Tonic Podcast. As always, I have a freshly brewed batch of the strange and unusual to share with you. So grab your favorite tonic, step inside the broom closet, and let's get started. not on Twilight Tonic, I have a very special guest. He is so interesting. He has a great background. And let me tell you, you need to read his book, The Horsefly Chronicles, A Demonic Haunting. It's on Amazon. It's fabulous. You need to get it. Phil Syracusa is on Twilight Tonic tonight. He's an author, a psychic medium, a paranormal investigator. How are you, Phil? Great. Thanks for having me on this evening. Thank you for coming on. Tell people a little bit about your background and what sparked this interest in the paranormal. Uh, I grew up in a household of eight, Staten Island, New York. And throughout adolescence, I remember seeing shadows and having nightmares that turned into night tremors. And we're talking about four, five, six, seven years old. And the night tremors, I'd wake up and see these disembodied figures and then go back to sleep and they would still be in the dream uh, in the dream state as much as the awakened state so it, it it was sort of like a um a sleep paralysis where they control you in the dream where you can't move you have no motion you could just see with the eyes open and um you know i used to tell my parents back in the day but you know, let's go back to the 70s. It was dismissed as just the bad nightmare. Mm-hmm. As time went on, um, I remember 13 years old specifically, I started to hear whispers coming from nowhere. And when I started to hear whispers, I couldn't make out what it was saying. Right. So what was actually happening was the nightmares that turned to night tremors, which turned to past the shadows I would see by the corner of the eye, now turns into whispers. So it was getting stronger, the energy. Um, and this wouldn't happen all the time. It would happen sporadically, you know, on and off, on and off, that I would hear whispers and see shadows. I would tell friends and things to that nature, but no one really, you know, understood it or believed in ghosts to that, you know, 
it wasn't really talked about. There was no mm-hmm. internet back then and no social media. And we had five channels on television if we were lucky. So, you know, it wasn't um, openly discussed. And I didn't understand it. So I dismissed it as, well, maybe I'm just carrying my dreams over to awaken state, mm-hmm. a form of a hallucination, for example. But the older I became, the stronger it became. And what I mean by that is that the presence was getting darker in image at times that I would see it. It would be black and then blacker than black. It would be so dark and it would only be seen visible on the corner of the eyes, left or right. And it would happen during times of maybe family arguments when my my parents or siblings would argue i would see them and i grew older to um again try to understand it but i wasn't getting anywhere it wasn't up until 19 years old when i went to a friend's mom's my friend mom's house who had a she was a psychic mm-hmm. in Staten Island and she used to help find the missing kids with the police department wow and I went to her. She had a good reputation for doing that. And I asked her if she could do the Ouija board and talk to whatever I think I'm seeing. And we were in her living room. And uh, this is one part that always stuck out. It does make me laugh a little bit. Um, I went to go sit on the couch. We were alone in the living room. She goes, you can't sit there. Someone's in that seat. I didn't see anybody, but she did. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> So I sat on a different chair in the living room and she's doing the board by herself. And she mm-hmm. says, just ask the questions. And then spirits started to come through. Now, what I find amazing is she didn't know me or anything about me. She just knew that I was her, her son's friend, but she didn't know about my family or anything. And the spirit that was coming through knew a lot of information. And she was doing it very fluent. It wasn't like she was trying to seek the answer. The plant, the plant chat was moving in a very smooth way, letter to letter, numbers and letters. And mm-hmm. I found it very intriguing and opened my eyes that this is real. This is not fake anymore. This is real. Mm-hmm. Um, and after that experience and that acknowledgement that she was able to communicate with the other side and she didn't get an answer. Of because it kept giving different names to her, so it was falsifying who it was. It wasn't giving an exact name, but she knew, and I knew that it was something that was not good because it did speak a little bit of vulgar. It was cursing, on unthreatening wow. on the Ouija board. So I slowly got into a buying a Ouija board myself and mm-hmm. um, I was doing it in my basement in my parents' home. This is the um, 80s, mid 80s. Mm-hmm. And I'm alone doing it and nothing's happening. Nothing's happening. I was like, well, I wish I could really do this. Well, you have to be careful what we wish for because Absolutely. there was that one time <laughs> that I did it. And this is exactly what happened. The planchette was going counterclockwise, very fast. Like, my hands couldn't even keep up with it. And I'm like, well, this can't be me. I wouldn't move it that fast. And then it started going to letters, really, Mm -hmm. like, 
pointing at letters. And it pretty much cursed at me. Wow. It said F U. But it spelled it out completely. So I took my hands off and I stopped. Um, I was a little worried. I was alone. And then a few days later, I got some friends and we did the Ouija board. And uh, there was like three of us and we felt something negative in the room. And one of my friends thought to get really sick. So we stopped. And then I was thinking, is this just coincidence or all these facts that this is really happening? And then it was my journey um, to try and really see what's going on. Is there another side? And I was doing the Ouija board at least once a day by myself. And now what was happening was this. You see that dark image through adolescence and now I'm a teenager was growing stronger. It knew I could acknowledge it. Right. And when it knew that, it gained power and strength over me because now it knew everything about me and who I was and my weaknesses as well. Mm-hmm. But I didn't know that because I wanted to learn about it while it was learning about me. Mm-hmm. So a door that was a crack open to the other side is now wide open. And once that door is wide open, again, not knowing uh, what could happen and the possibilities, I became one with it in a sense of communicating with something. I don't know who I'm communicating with, but also I feel empowered by this entity. Wow. So did your parents feel this entity or your sisters or brothers? Did any of your siblings feel this? I kept it alone, just to myself and a close circle of friends, the family. Wow. Nobody could feel it. It just stayed by you, didn't it? Wow. I wouldn't talk about it. Um, It was like that hidden little secret that we all have, that skeleton in the closet. Mm -hmm. But that was my skeleton in the closet of doing the Ouija board and trying to communicate with the other side. And this is at the early ages of life yeah and after all this happened phil what and you were like growing up and you had this around you continuously did this continue like when you were in your 20s as well this always continued um so my family we all had moved to another home in staten island Mm -hmm. and I remember one day, then I brought it out to my sister, and I says, my sister, my older sister, Patricia, I was like, you do this, see if it works in the kitchen. And she goes, okay. Um, and she's doing it, the Ouija board. And a young girl comes through by the name of Sarah. And now I think that maybe she's moving it. And so I says, well, if there's really a young girl here that's claiming um that she could see us let's let's have her prove it so i asked my mom to go up in her bedroom upstairs and and do something and on the ouija board downstairs in the kitchen sarah's telling us through the planket through my sister i'm not even touching it that my mom opened up her top drawer um took a hairbrush put it there put a napkin over the hairbrush and then closed the drawer very simple but she was telling us this, and my mom came down and and told us exactly what happened. 
So we were all like, wow. And Sierra says that exact point. Now let me show you something else. Go look under your mom's car outside in the driveway. It was a little red Hyundai. She said that there's a rock holding the muffler down. Go look at it. So we all go outside in the front yard and driveway. And sure enough, there's a rock holding the muffler down. Hmm. Now we all go back on the board. So it was my younger sister, my older sister, myself, my mom, and another friend. And now we're all like, wow. Yeah. And I I, I asked, I said, Sarah, so you can see us? She says, yes. You can hear us? Yes. Can you touch us? Yes. Are you in the same room with us? Yes. Do you stay here with us all the time? Yes. Who are you? I'm Sarah. Why are you here? I I asked, why are you here? In this home, I'll be here till it's your turn to me. And that gave me the chills. Oh, yeah. (laughs) What you're saying is she'll be around till I cross. Um, Now, I will say this you know, I had a lot of skeptical friends. I myself at points were skeptical of this. And I remember telling all my friends, I'm in my early 20s, and I said, you're not going to believe this. So they would come over to my mom's house, and and sure enough, they would call the bluff and say, okay, Sarah, come on, where are you? And um, one time she says, well, I'm in the basement in the garage. Why don't you come down here if you don't believe me? Hmm. <laughs> I was a big guy. My friends are big kids. You know? <laughs> and I'm like, we were like, like big babies because we're like, no, you go first down there. No, you go first. <laughs> And we opened the basement door and we're holding each other's hand like a bunch of babies because we didn't want to go down it because we didn't know what we we're going to see because the way she was saying it on the board was so straightforward. Mm-hmm. We start walking down the basement stairs and the top door shuts real fast. Well, we all froze. Now we're between the midpoint of the basement and the top stairs and the door shut on us. We go into the garage. We open the garage door. We walk in the garage, and we hear something moving at the end of the garage. It was a two-bay garage. Um, And we walked to that side. Now, we didn't see nothing, but it felt eerie. It felt like the energy was off. Something was different in the corner of the garage. We all go back upstairs. We go back on the Ouija board, and and then my friend's talking to too hot and she goes well i seen you thanks for coming down (laughs) now um she was able to tell us things that only we would know Mm -hmm. she proved herself and she showed herself at times through the mind's image not through the visible eye she showed herself with the white dress, a heavy white dress, dated back from like, I would say the 1800s, a very white complexion, high cheekbones, black eyes, black hair, no older than 11, mm-hmm. around that age, very fair skin, very pale, and very mysterious looking. 
And we all see mm-hmm. this image of her at different times. Wow. And that's Sarah. And I grew into talking to Sarah now by myself on the Ouija board. And she became an, also an empowerment to me because I felt like, well, if I have a friend on the other side, and I don't know exactly who she is, because she wasn't telling me where she was, if she was murdered, how she died, where mm-hmm. she died. I was, we weren't getting that information. We were just getting the information of the now and then and the image from the 1800s, but we were not getting any information of who her family was, anything mm-hmm. to that. Um, she proved more than several times that she was capable of moving objects as well. Um, she would be able to move little things right in front of you, not mm-hmm. big objects. We're talking like a fork or a spoon or a dish or a cup, very small movements, very, very small. Mm. Interesting. And that takes a lot of energy for them to do that. Oh, yes. And whenever this happened, I felt depleted of energy. Ah, interesting. And that brought me to going to a place in New York City um, that my friend had mentioned to me. It was called Magical Child. Mm -hmm. And it was owned by a Wiccan. And... It was a really unique store. The store had potions and herbs and boards and books of the dead. And like you went in there, you felt you you felt like this is the most mysterious, unique <laughs> store. Like all the different things, mm-hmm. the moments in time of paranormal and supernatural and things to that nature. And I came across this one book that I wanted. It was called goetia g-o-e-t-i-a mm-hmm. and it was it was several hundred dollars it was had this gold lettering behind a glass cabinet and i really wanted the book i was drawn to the book and i remember they wouldn't sell it to me really um no they wouldn't sell it to me they said i'm i don't know what i'm doing and it's a very dangerous book and i insisted so they made me sign a waiver that I would not hold the store responsible if I was to purchase this book. I signed a waiver and I bought the book. Now, you know, we could say, well, it's just a book, but it's not just a book. As I took the book home and I started to read it days later, the book was based off the work of King Solomon. Mm-hmm. And it was rewritten by Alistair Crowley. The book is for one purpose only it is to bring up the evilness of those that have crossed over Mm. spirits the evil spirits of the dead and i didn't believe it because i don't believe in anything of course that's just my nature and i tested that book and i um remember trying doing trying to do something with it I read the passageway to one of the points in the book, um, very distinctive. It was the greater curse. And I, you know, I did it against somebody that I didn't like. (laughs) And again, I didn't, I did it. I didn't believe it. That would work. Right. Um, But it did work. Mm. 
and I thought it was coincidence. <laughs> so, um, at that point in time, now I'm 23 years old. I'm working in a bar that's owned by the mafia. And, you know, when you work for any organized crime family, they want to know everything about yourself and your family. We would get into these long conversations. Well, growing up in Staten Island, I mean, back then, 30% of Staten Island was all mafia. Mm-hmm. Um, Staten Island, Brooklyn, you know, that's, that's the that's the background of mafia, right? Right. Um, and, I, and I remember telling them, look, I did something, I, you know, I says, I, I'm able to use a book and I threw a Ouija board and they started laughing, I'll oh, come on. So time went on and, you know, I was working for them, um, doing other things as well. And there was one, one point that um, this guy from an organized crime family killed an FBI officer with Staten Island. Oh. And, now they felt like, well, if, if the, he gets caught, he that he could take down this family. Right. So they wanted him dead. And um, I remember overhearing the conversation. I got into discussion with them, and they says, "You think you can help us find this guy?" I says, "You know, I could try. Um, you know, let's try to. You know, I says I'll do the Ouija board." And they laughed. I says, "Come on." I says, "Yeah." I'll give it a shot. I mean, I'm I'm kind of close with this this girl Sarah, and they're like, "Who's Sarah?" I'm like, "I don't know, somebody in a ghost on the other side." So we set up an arrangement. There was three mob figures from different families, myself and a private mm-hmm. office. Now this to me is interesting. So one of the mob figures, his son was there, and his son goes, "No, no, get your hands off. Let me do it." I says, well, you, okay, you do it. Mm-hmm. So he puts his hands in the plank cap. And all of a sudden, now he's not believing in this stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, he's talking to people that were killed by his family. Wow. And they were given their names. And he's arguing with them on the Ouija board. Saying, well, you deserved it, and we'll come after the rest of your family. He's actually arguing with them. And he would say, like, for example, I'm just going to make up names. Is this Tony? And then Tony would say, um, you had me killed. And they were really going at it and telling where they were, where they were murdered. Oh, my God. And I was like, wow, this is crazy. This is really happening. And... um. I found that to be mind-blowing at that point in time. Uh, absolutely. That, um, <laughs> oh my God. These are the people that were killed, arguing with with him because his family had them all killed. Uh-huh. And um, he goes, okay, Phil, I, we need you to find this guy. You, your turn. And I called for Sarah. And I said, Sarah, where's this guy so-and-so hiding out? And she told me um, an exact location that he would be in a few days. So they went to this location a few days later. They found him and he was machine gunned down on the street. Oh. Now, again, you know, we could say, well, there's coincidence and then there's facts. As a 55 year old man, I could tell the world there's no more coincidences at this right. point. 
the spirit world is just as alive as the physical world. And this, they know, in fact, they, they're more alive than us in some sort of sense where um, they can tell us things if we're able to communicate with them and do things. And this guy, this guy was hiding out. And quite frankly, I knew who the guy was too. I don't mm-hmm. like him either, so he kind of deserved it because he was the bad person. This guy that they, they did kill, he was a very bad person. So I had no remorse for him, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like every time you do the board, it uses you, meaning myself, as mm-hmm. a conduit. And when I'm used as a conduit, it grows stronger in its presence. And I found myself doing rituals, mm-hmm. incantations, and communicating with Sarah. And I had an audience of friends and mob figures, you know, like enlightened mm-hmm. by this is amazing that this is happening. And it wasn't every single time, but I could tell you that that book that I purchased, and I don't recommend anybody buying that book because mm-hmm. it's a very bad book but if you have enough intent and belief in something it's as if you're the match to light it up and make it work mm, interesting do you still have this book phil the book was buried in the year 2000 in a cemetery in staten island it was it was pure evil i was becoming the evil with the book i was mm-hmm. doing evil biddings and i was getting paid money to do evil biddings for a lot of different people and and it would work sometimes and you know we're talking car accidents we're talking all different things i be, you know and 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 i'm not proud of that but what was happening was it had a hold on me as well right interesting once you buried the book, you started. Did you start a new life, basically? Most definitely. Yeah. Most definitely, I had a and and you know how I wound up finding out how to bury that book. I would go to different psychics, New Jersey, New York City, Staten Island, Brooklyn, because mm-hmm. I felt like this thing was around, mm-hmm. and it was working towards my intent. And some of them said the black shadow that was casted behind me. And they told me, get a, put the book in a brown paper bag and bury it in a cemetery and forget about that book forever. Gotcha. I did that with a friend. I thought it was stupid. Um, that it wouldn't work, but it, it did work. It buried the curse with the book and the intent, and I had to put that to bed. And and to the listener out there, I want them to know this, is that when we wish for something, be careful what you wish for. When you have an intent on wanting something, be careful of the intent. Um, because if it's in any act of evilness or thoughts of negative towards another person the possibilities are very strong that it can happen and the book was the tool and i was the conduit for Mm -hmm. the tool and the entity was growing stronger what happened to sarah phil you know 
I don't know if I can answer that question appropriately because I don't have a solid answer to that. Mm. We, you know, so I live in a home called the Horsefly Chronicles home. It's a haunted house in Eastern Pennsylvania and it doesn't, mm -hmm. it's in a state neighborhood. It was built in 1996. We didn't make a, a large investment to buy a haunted house. It just so happened that we did. And Sarah's always been part of everything, proving herself. Mm -hmm. And, um, I would have different teams come here from around the world. To date, we had over 52 paranormal teams, psychics, mediums, remote viewers, Wiccan, shaman, priest, reverend, all walks of life because we wanted the entity removed, entities. Mm -hmm. One of the last teams that were here was NESPR. Uh -huh. NESPRs, the ones who have the Annabelle doll um, based off the Warrens. They, um, you know, the Amityville Horror, The Conjuring, and right. and uh, Insidious, and all those movies. Um, they asked me a certain question when they were investigating my location. They asked me, uh, ask out loud, Sarah, who are you? And I asked out loud, Sarah, who are you? And they played back the recorder. And the recorder had this evil voice, evil, malicious, malevolent voice. And it told me, go F yourself. Wow. And we all froze when we heard the playback. And then we went into the kitchen and Dan Rivera, who's in charge of an ESPR with Tony Spear, mm -hmm. he was reading prayers and every light in the kitchen and the living room went so bright. You almost had to like cover your eyes. Mm -hmm. And then it faded out and the air was light again. And we felt like the entity was removed and the entity was removed for six months. That was July, 2020, uh -huh. six months. We lived a normal life, normal family. Everything was perfect. But six months later, the shadow started casting in again. Who is Sarah? I don't know. You know, I was just on a show yesterday um, with a well-known psychic, and she was remote viewing through the show and says, no, Sarah's a young, innocent girl. Other people say Sarah's the devil. Other people say Sarah is not anything. She's part of the earth, like an elemental, making believe she's something of everything. Right. So she has many different footprints. Um, and all different walks. And I remember one time I was in the phone with um, Rosemary Allen, Rosemary uh, Guiley. She was friends with Lorraine Warren. And this uh -huh. was back in 2014. And she calls Lorraine Warren. And Lorraine Warren told her to stay away from this house. It's bad. It's, it's evil. Um, she said it has the same footprint as that Amityville Horror House did. Now, Lorraine was never here, and I never spoke to her, but Rosemary spoke to her. Rosemary says, Phil, we think you're dealing with the gin. And I didn't, I didn't know what the gin was. Mm -hmm. um, I, I don't know. I mean, that's what she said. You're dealing with the gin, and it could perform different politics at different times to make you think it is what it is, but it's really not. So to date, who is Sarah? I don't know. Now, 
the house you're living in presently, do you know why it's so haunted? Is there a specific reason? Some people say they choose to buy their dream home. And then in this case, the house chose us. I remember in um, 2009 of April, I found the house on Zillow. I really liked it. And I called up uh, Weikert Realty and they said, oh, sorry, it's on the contract with another family. So we weren't going to get the house. So my wife and I went on a search to look at other homes and we found this other home. Now, this is where it's God versus the devil. The other home was beautiful, too, and it was owned by a priest. And we really liked it. And then something in my mind was like, yeah, we should get this. I feel good in this house. But my wife's like, well, you know, let's just keep looking around. Mm-hmm. And then a month later, I'm at work in New Jersey. And my wife calls me and says, guess what? That house that was on the contract, it's not on contract no more. Let's go look at it. And I'm like, okay. So you see now, we should have gotten the home that was owned by the priest because it was a good feeling. It was just a nice home. Right. We chose something that I think God was saying in the beginning, this is on the contract, leave it alone and walk away from this. Um, but it pulled us back in the first six months living in the home. Nothing happened. We're excited, big house, nice neighborhood and all that stuff. But after six months, we started to realize that there's something different about this house. And sure enough, my attachment on top of whatever was here in the home just magnified everything. So this is not only we're talking about Sarah. This is something itself. And lights would flicker. You think it's the bulbs going dead. Shadows mm-hmm. would clear from the wall. You think it's your eyes. Voices come from nowhere. You think it's television upstairs. Toys would go all on and off by themselves with no batteries in them. And that's when you raise the question because that's not even possible to happen. Right. That's impossible. Then in 2014, I contacted a paranormal team that I seen on television to come down to the home and see what we're dealing with. And I was hoping we're not dealing with anything. And the findings were the complete opposite. They had pictures of what looked like a demonic figure embedded in the wall in the basement. Now, you could say matrix, optical illusion. I would agree. But they said, well, you better listen to the recording as you're looking at the picture. And the recording was growls and threats, evil threats. Like, we will all be deceased. And it it spoke different time, different not just of the English language, but different languages mm-hmm. that I wasn't understanding. Neither were, were they. Um, evil threats. And then a month later, I contacted another paranormal team to validate the first paranormal team. And one of their uh, team members got hurt in the house. They got scratched in the ankle real deep by nothing that was there. And they were bleeding really mm-hmm. bad. So it was making its mark. Right. Um, And now my mission was to prove to the world that this is really happening. I'm a blue-collared worker, you know, raising a family. The home is not looking haunted. It's not a 100-year-old house. It's a beautiful estate neighborhood. But things are happening here that are unexplainable. Right. And 
throughout time, we try to remove it and we all lost the battle. Um, whether it's myself or the ministries were here, ministries, you know, people would be in car accidents, heart attacks, a horsefly would appear in the most mysterious times during the course of this dead of winter. Um, very odd things would happen. First the shadow, then the horsefly. And that's where the name, the horsefly chronicles mm-hmm. falls into play. I was wondering about that. That was going to be my next question, but. Now I know where it comes comes from. Um, I know my question is, Phil, is the land itself haunted? So we had researchers do the um, homework on the land. Mm-hmm. We live in eastern Pennsylvania in a, in a town called Forks Township. Now, way back in the day, the Iroquois Indians used to be here. Mm-hmm. The Iroquois Indians had a battle. And there was a treaty that was signed that they were lied to. And there was a lot of slaughter on the land between Forks and Delaware River. Um, there's a lot of bloodshed between the both parties. And some of the pictures that we do have from paranormal teams look like false face masks of somebody holding a mask over their face, trying to scare someone else away. Mm-hmm. And then, well, I have had people, you know, try to figure this out and they go, well, it is possible that the land was cursed against the rivals and no one, you know, there's a possibility, but there's no proof behind that as well. Right. It's just a up in the air question mark. Was the land cursed so that no one could live on it? Whether the home is here or not, it's part of the land. They Mm -hmm. were part of the land. It was their land. Um, I don't know for sure, but that's what it goes back to after they had it. And then you go back um, to, let's say, next 50 years, it was all farmland. And then in the 90s, they started building homes over here. Mm. Now, um, we've had a lot of people in the paranormal community come to our home um, that do these investigations as well, because we can't investigate our own home because we're blocked of whatever's in the home. Right. And and I could say that whatever's here is very intelligent. It can manipulate the mind. It can control you. Um, it can drain you like it drains the batteries on paranormal equipment. It can follow you home. It's proven that as well. And it appears when you mock it, mimic it, try to remove it or don't believe right. it, it has an ego. Wow. And the ego is it will show you who it is when it's ready, not on your watch, but on its watch. And I had people from different states come here and they would say like a week or two later, this thing is back with me now. I have to get it removed, like this thing out of here. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's hard to believe a lot of this stuff. It really is. They would send pictures of a horse fly at odd times. I would hear mysterious things about what's happening in their home. And it's all the same pattern and signs that would happen here when we first bought the house. Right. Now, Phil, do your kids see anything? My younger son, he used to have his own bedroom, and then he was slapped in the face in the middle of the night. Oh, my. So he was traumatized. My other son, we see as the man, the man calls himself Chief. Oh, he, we, that was 
that was validated through one of the first paranormal teams to come here. And he controls all the other entities in the home. Hmm. He's the commander. And he's very dominant. He comes through in a lot of the recordings. And yes, he is intimidating um, because he is violent. And it's like he owns everything. Everything is his. He would say, my home, my land, my home, my land. Um, Are you thinking, is he Native American? From what we understand, yes. Mm. Wow. That's really interesting. So is everyone else that's out of body or there's more than one entity then in your home? There's several entities um, that were identified and they were given names of who they are. Mm -hmm. One being Asmodeus that's been um, coming through and the things that these things can do, um, it's the, it's the, I remember Dan Rivera saying it's the fingerprint of what this thing could do. And you look at what that entity and what the entity is capable of, and he's capable of controlling a lot of legions, the king of princes. Um, and that's exactly the format of what happens here. So there's been investigators that didn't believe in the case that came here and they, tried to remove and provoke and then all of a sudden they felt sick and drained and tired and sure. they would they were laid out like they wanted to sleep other investigators i seen their eyes turn black other investigators would leave here and their car would break down other people would leave here and then 20 minutes later i get a call they were in a car accident um all mysterious things and i think i've learned that it's saying do not try to remove me do not provoke me. I am and let me be. Mm. So um, we let it be. We don't provoke. Teams still have curiosity about this case. So I tell them, if you're going to come here, trend lightly and do not use any words that are going to magnify this thing to a threat because it's going to come after everybody again. Right. So it sounds like as long as you have respect for it it's not going to bother you pretty much it wants to be yeah just wants to be left alone it just wants to stay there too huh it's kind of interesting but the answer is yes yeah it's like okay so you want you you claim the land you claim the home you're not going to be removed you've proven you can't be removed we've tried every measure like we've real tried priests and all shamans and we tried all this throughout the years to live a normal life mm-hmm. and it was backfired. So we let it be. And yeah, that's where we are. But I'll tell you, if you came down here now and once you start investigating uh-huh. about 20, 30 minutes in, the shadows will appear on the, on the walls down here in the basement. Yeah. They just, and then the sounds, sounds like they just don't want to be bothered. Or I agree. Are provoked. They're fine as long as you respect them. But once you start poking the bear, it's going to be like, okay, <laughs> I'm here. I've poked the bear many of times because I didn't believe in it. Yeah. I didn't believe 
the possibilities of what it could do and you know what it was there's no label on it but it is what it is it is real um so what does it do what happens in my house so my walls don't bleed my pictures don't fly off the walls the shadows will appear the voices will come and you'll hear the voices you will feel drained and tired if you're on a cb or walkie talkie talking to somebody who's investigating mm-hmm. it will come through and mimic you wow oh yeah in fact true ghost stories was here a year ago filming an episode which will be out soon and it's exactly what they caught it's talking on the cb making believe it's somebody one of their team members very very creepy i witnessed it when i was in the garage with them like wow and the other team member was in my driveway very creepy stuff it showed me that there's no boundaries for what it can do it can imitate it can mimic it could shape shift oh. it can spin walk it can be you if it wants to in a way where it makes someone else think that it's you and your voice and here's your voice but you're not there so you actually see yourself coming and going at times i don't see myself coming and going like i'll hear my kids i'm home from school and then i'll go downstairs and nobody's there Oh, oh my. and then you look up the stairs and you see like, but it looks like my kid, but it's not my kid because it's not time for school to be released yet. Wow, that's creepy. We caught one of those pictures too. Yeah, very very creepy stuff. I mean, this is the type of stuff that, and again, a lot of people didn't believe it, and I I had to prove it. I had to prove myself to the world. This is real, right? It does. If someone was telling me this, I wouldn't believe it either. I wouldn't believe it, not at all, until I experienced it. And that's what I tell people. If you're a seasoned paranormal investigator and you want to come, I will make arrangements for you to come down to the home respectfully and do your investigation without provoking. Um, And I've done just that. That's why we had so many different people here. Right. Wanting answers or wanting to understand and it, it sounds like you almost understand how to coexist with them now. Yeah, you kind of leave it alone. Um, you don't antagonize. And if you're going to have anybody investigate, they have to trend very lightly in a way where they're not demanding anything. They're just being polite and saying, hey, can you talk to us? Right. Yeah. I would say, yeah, <laughs> 100%. I don't think that's something you want to provoke. Are you planning on continuing to live in this house? That is an excellent question. So um, if we do move, it'll be far away, probably Alaska. (laughs) (laughs) Are you hoping (laughs) it won't follow Uh, you? (laughs) My wife and I said, we move as far. It's not nowhere around here. No way. No way. This is... (laughs) This is traumatizing. I mean, I could tell the story on radio shows, but I have to, I live it. We, my right. family, um, we know what goes on here. So, hopefully, in the near future, we'll have a plan. To I don't think the house will let us leave. Wow. I don't. I don't think the house is going to let us leave, and I mean that. I honestly mean that. And you're going to say, "Well, what do you mean by that? You could just pack up and move." Well, it's not that easy. When you're dealing with something so strong, so malevolent, so controlling, it kind of uses your energy and the family's energy. Sure. 
And if it does that and it has a stronghold on everybody and it's able to isolate the family from others, what makes you think it's going to make you leave? That's true. Somebody left prior to you, though. The first, so we're the third owners. The first two owners last seven years each. Now we're going to be going on our 13th year in June. Wow. The people we bought the home from were miserable. Oh, they were very unhappy and miserable. And I remember at the closing, they wouldn't even look at us. And I just kept saying, what's their problem? So about a few weeks later, part of their closing check came to this address. I guess they didn't have anything forward yet. I tried to reach out to them. They wouldn't accept my phone calls. So I just went to the post office to put return to whoever. I mean, uh-huh. they wouldn't accept my phone calls. Well, I think I know why now. Yeah, they were afraid to tell you. They were afraid to be confronted. Um, it's as if they passed the keys, they didn't look at us at the closing, and they were out of here and they moved to Georgia. Wow. Yeah. They were just eager to <laughs> see you later. Now you have to deal. I don't know if I I'd have the heart yeah. to do that to somebody. I remember the the lady talking, the uh, owner, she says to me, yeah, we're having a hard time selling this home. When I had my inspector here, like going doing the walkthrough with me, trying to like, you know, praising the house and all that. Uh-huh. And um, she says, yeah, we've been having a hard time trying to sell this house. I'm like, why would you have a hard time selling this house? I guess I understand why now, you know, yeah. whether they believed in ghosts or knew the house was haunted, I don't know. But the way they looked, they looked miserable and depleted. It kind of tells me something that, that maybe they didn't know exactly what was happening, but it was happening. Yeah, exactly. Oh, that's very interesting. Yeah, it's interesting. It's it's a documented case that you can go on YouTube and type mm-hmm. in the Hospital Chronicles. A lot of the tools yeah. that were here, the evidence is out there. Um, or Google it and you'll see an abundance of information on this home on the investigating teams and all that. Um, some things, one thing I could teach the world is this. Some things cannot be removed. I'm sorry. I know everybody, people might have different beliefs, but we've walked those waters, my wife and I. So now we teach people that you it, you can try to coexist, mm-hmm. right? Because it may not let you um leave at some points when you try so basically you can make everything break you go financially broke or you go your medical conditions get 10 times worse it knows every scenario of how to stop you from moving what's interesting about the neighborhood is that there's a high turnover rate the whole neighborhood yeah the whole neighborhood so to the left of me turned over three times to the right of me turned over a couple times in a short period of you know like five, six years. So across the street from me, turned over a few times. So no one feel I from what I'm seeing that there are a few people that have been old timers here, but not many. It seems like I it's it's a different energy in the neighborhood. It's a draining energy. It's not a good energy. Wow. Even though the eye is a good energy to look at the neighborhood. Sure. The way you feel in the neighborhood, it's not a high vibration neighborhood. It's a low vibration. It's a um, 
a feeling of being weighted down the whole the whole neighborhood. Right. That's that's really interesting. So that also makes me wonder if all of those other people aren't experiencing something. They're just not talking about it. It's a snooty neighborhood. Um, so no one really talks to the other Each person. Other. But, <laughs> yeah. It's not a friendly <laughs> neighborhood by any means. And, you know, coming from Staten Island, everybody was friendly. Like, you know, right. you can walk into your neighbor's house and get yourself something to eat. But over here, it's all different. It's no one really looks at each other that much. Um, it's the fake hellos. So try to talk to somebody about is your house haunted is very difficult in this area. Right. But you can see the turnover in the homes that something's off. Oh, my goodness. If if you were my neighbor, I'd be over at your house. <laughs> I'd be <laughs> like, we have a problem. Do you have a problem? I'm just wondering. <laughs> I talk to everybody. <laughs> wow. No, that's yeah, no, it's not a pleasant neighborhood like that. It's just not. You know, I mean, they just, everybody's just to themselves. Right. And, uh, <laughs> but if you go a few blocks away, the environment changes. Mm, that's interesting. In the summer, people having pool parties and everybody. Yeah, in fact, my wife and I went to a pool party in a different neighborhood about five minutes away from here couple months ago and what a nice neighborhood high vibration everybody's swimming neighbors are up what a difference right and again to the listener this is very important there is a such thing as feng shui low energy neighborhoods Mm -hmm. um depleted neighborhoods of feeling uneasy and this is a perfect storm of that Right. And, and um, you go to certain areas like, wow, it's so good. Everybody's happy. Even if the homes are on pay, they just, everybody's in a good mood. Then you go to other neighborhoods like, what is wrong with this neighborhood? Everybody is miserable. Yeah. Have you ever noticed that yourself? Oh, yeah, definitely. I know when we would go house hunting or I'd walk into a house, I knew right away if I wanted to be there or not. I'd be like, no, 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 no. <laughs> and what made you feel that? You know... All I had, really, all I would have to do is touch any of the woodwork, um, walk toward the basement, and as soon as I went toward the basement and I could feel something, I was out of there. There you go. See? I don't like anything that hides. I can feel it. So I'm like, I'm out of here. And as a matter of fact, when we moved into our current home, uh, the only thing I saw, and we both saw it, believe it or not, was a ghost cat. Really? We both saw the same cat and we both accused each other of bringing this cat in because I'm a big animal person. And we were painting and I looked over and I was like, did you see a cat? He goes, did you let the cat in? I'm like, which cat? He goes, the black and white one. I'm like, no, but that black and white one just walked right through that wall. And it was the funniest thing. I'm like, but all things, we have a ghost kitty, and my cat plays with it all the time. Wow. But this house has, it's really a tiny 1930 bungalow, and it's pretty happy. It's a happy home. And when I'm mad at it, I feel like it gets upset. <laughs> yeah, I know that sounds silly, but homes, I believe, have feelings, and they're yeah. alive with history, and 
you know, the land is alive underneath it. And when you, you're talking about your neighborhood and all these people not being friendly and moving quickly, I bet you they're experiencing stuff and they're just not talking about it. They're just selling their home and giving it to someone else, which you would be honest about it. But some people aren't. They'll just leave their home and won't even say anything about it. I'd have to be honest. It has a ghost cat. What can I say? It's interesting. Yeah. Um, I, I, um, I've learned a lot since we're living in this home. I bet you have a lot of you know mental challenges, physical challenges. Um, it knows how to combat you through the mind and through everything that you do. Um, and you don't challenge it because when you challenge it, then so we had um, National Ghost Hunting Day here back in 2017, uh-huh. and Brian Cano was here, and they wanted to use this house as the command center. And I'll never forget that. If it could go wrong on that day, it did go wrong. Nothing worked. The antenna didn't work. Mm. Cell phones weren't working properly. Brian Cannell's car alarm was going off by itself. And then when we got everything to work that night, mm-hmm. when he came to the basement during the live stream, when they were going around through all the different states around the world, they came to this home because this was the command center. And they're broadcasting from here. And the entire internet shut down through all the states at the same exact time. For about 20 minutes and then went back up again. Wow. So talk about the other side, knowing how to manipulate electricity. Now, Phil, do you have, has with everything you've said, you know, that how exhausted you get and how manipulative they can be. Do you feel like a sense of compassion towards them? Or a sense of more, you have no choice but to respect them. Is there a compassion there or is it just a forced respect? There is. It's a forced respect. Ah, okay. So there, are, it's almost like, and they're very intrusive. I had mediums come into my living room, and I and I and it's documented. They're looking at something. They go and they're explaining. He's a male. He's big. He calls himself chief. Mm-hmm. This man is intimidating. He's scary. I cannot tell you how many people have said that. People who came in my front door, my foyer, they would grab their throat because they were being choked. Wow. This, yeah, if he don't like you, you have a problem. Um, you have a problem. You have a serious problem. Now, lately, we haven't had that problem with this guy. Mm-hmm. Where is he? I don't know. I mean, I don't know where these things go, you know. Probably to um, your neighbor's house, <laughs> so they sell it. <laughs> he's going on to each. He's going around <laughs> to each of them. He just found you because you can communicate with him because you you are also you have the ability to know that they're there and an understanding that maybe a lot of your neighbors don't. That's true. My wife said that we act like lighthouses, so if yep. we're like a lighthouse, then they, the other side knows that we're able to communicate. But yet, I'm still blocked to this man. I only go by what people tell me, what they see with him, and the voice that comes through in the recordings, like the spirit box. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. I've never seen him. I only feel the image of him. Right. And it's, he, he is a big man. He's threatening. Does your wife see him? 
the black shadow, the big black shadow. So she she sees the the shadow. Yeah, the big black shadow. Yeah, huge. Now, do you have animals in the house? We did. And they don't they do don't. well. Oh. The first dog we had for a long time. Then we moved to this home, and then he died. Um, and then we had a few others that you know, animals don't last long around here. Yeah. Wow. That just gives me the willies. In fact, like five, six months ago, we had a rabbit. So we're in the um, dining room about to eat dinner. And uh, my wife's mom was here. She likes to pray before dinner. And she prayed. And um, I went downstairs for something. And the rabbit was was, um, not moving. And then it looked like it was shaking, but not like it was something was happening to it. And then a few minutes later, it just died. Now, I don't know if that was a threat because of a prayer, but I do know that previous prayers in this home backfired. So it could be that this thing does not like religious artifacts, objects, prayers, things to that nature. It, it Maybe it feels threatened by it. I don't know. I really don't know. Wow. You've got a you've got your hands full. Oh, oh, definitely, and then some. <laughs> oh my gosh! And not only are you putting up with this, you and your amazing wife has you guys have a show, the Horsefly Chronicles Radio. You have a radio show. You know, we were approached years ago, and people felt like you live in a haunted house. You've been on interviews. Why don't you interview people now? So you could share experiences. Right. And um, we said, you know what? We'll give it a shot. We started out on a small network. And then we moved up to a huge network. And then um, it, it grown so much that, you know, we were like overwhelmed because now we're interviewing uh, people all walks of life. We interview celebrities, millionaires. We interview doctors lawyers, scientists, we interview and I could all different spectrums of life and I could tell you that it's not just you know the person that was a lower middle class um but his mind was just thinking that his house is haunted. No, there's people who are well off, there's people who are high up there on a totem pole that also deal with these things. In their own homes, and whether they're mansions, right. uh, whether they're little capes, where no matter where they live, um, they also have experiences that are mind blowing. So, I mean, we we interviewed David Ullman one time. You know, David Ullman um, is the house in between Sharon Tate's old house. Uh-huh. Yeah, and he would tell us the, the ghost in his home. Then we had. Deborah Voorhees from Friday the 13th. Then we had the mom from the movie E.T. Um, and all these people have experiences. Very, not as hard as what we're dealing with, but they have ghostly experiences. And it goes to show you that you're not alone in this, in the paranormal and the supernatural all walks of life deal with this. Some people choose to talk about it and others don't. 
Absolutely. Yeah. Some people like to keep it very quiet, but I think now, I think more and more, like we talked earlier, more and more people are stepping up and going, look, this, this happens. It happens. It's real. And and here's what I could say is respect the other side as if the other side was somebody, you know, because you don't know who you're talking to. Yeah, absolutely. And be careful of your intent and your thoughts because this show I want people to understand and learn is that through adolescence, I was pulled in then my teenage years and then I started doing bad things. And I was pulled into that world of darkness, becoming with the dark, using the book of Goetia, using the Ouija board, doing rituals, casting spells and curse and all this other stuff that was coming through me as if I was the conduit and part of it. And I was and it was working. So we have to be careful. Uh, because we just don't know what we're dealing with and what it's capable of. And it is capable of a lot. I agree. So Phil, how do people get a hold of you? How do they, what, how do they listen and watch your amazing show? Cause you have some great guests on. Oh, thank you. Um, yeah. Horsefly Chronicles radio is on 105.3 FM every Monday night, eight o'clock Eastern time. It's broadcasted out of New Orleans, um, and then it's on all the platforms. Okay. So it's on Spotify, there. iTunes, um, yeah, iHeart. Everything. <laughs> you name it, every single one. So it's a live show on FM, and then it gets aired on all the other streams as well. And so I, listen to. I highly recommend everyone listen to it. It's it's a great show. It really, really is. And order his book on Amazon. It's It looks great. I mean, you've done some amazing work, and I think you're helping a lot of people, Phil. My movement is to help people because if my, I deal with it, my family deals with it, I want other people to know that you're not alone. And trend lightly. And then, and sometimes you have to make believe you don't see what you see Absolutely. to live a normal life because it wants acknowledgement. And once it gains that acknowledgement, it gains you. So we have to be careful on that. Um, you can also find me on Facebook, Philip Syracuse. And um, there's a book that Christina Corsetti is currently writing for me. And it's how everything transpired to be the Horsefly Chronicles and, and what happens. Um, it's the untold story of everything going on. She owns Paranormal, uh, the Paranormal magazine. And you can look for the family cabin. It should be out in the next couple of months. There's trailers of documented people talking about the Horsefly on my Facebook. And these are testimonies that are from people around the world is a few different trailers. People you may know when you listen to these trails of people coming forward, talking about this case. So the family cabin is something I'm looking forward to because it gives the completion of everything, not just a scratch on the surface. The first book ended in 1999, but I wanted the complete book up to date of where we are and how we're living and how it all started from, um, you know, as a, as a memory, a thought that became a reality. Absolutely. And 
Phil, I would love to have you come back on in about six months and we can see where you're at with all this. Most definitely. I would love to have a great show. And I've actually learned some stuff too tonight by talking to you. You know, you're a professional dancer. (laughs) Many years. (laughs) Many, many years. And you're in paranormal, Mm -hmm. you know, because you've had your experiences. You know, a lot of people have these experiences at a young age. Yeah. and, And now you have a podcast. It's funny how that works, but I love it. How yeah. it, it's sort of like our story, like you live it and then you want to talk about it and then you want to interview people about it because you want to share information. And I think it's incredible that we're doing this yeah. and that it's not hidden because one of the most, um, how do I say this in a polite way, there's all different types of religion. I respect everyone, everybody's beliefs and what they believe in, in religion, no matter what religion you are. Absolutely. But also respect the fact that the people that go through paranormal phenomenon and, and ghostly experiences also does exist like everything else does exist. Every religion, every belief, this also does exist. And if this exists, then we have to know that the person telling us the story or information of what they're going through um, has to be taken wisely. And use chosen words to help that family going forward, because maybe you can do something for a family that's going um, through negative times. And that's what myself and my wife do. We help other people now by talking to them, by maybe we'll go to homes and see what's going on over there and see if we can validate, educate. And then we know other people. We don't know how to. I can't tell you that we remove things because we don't. Obviously, we're living with it, but we do know people that can help now. Sometimes things can't be removed, like this case. You just can't poke. You can't remove this thing. It ain't going to go nowhere. But right. that's okay. But push the movement forward of helping other people, and keep the thoughts positive, and keep the negativity out, and turn a negative into a positive as much as you can throughout the course of life, because these things feed off of negativity. Absolutely, that's a really good point. Phil, thank you so much for taking your time out of your busy day. And you have a wonderful weekend with your amazing family. Thank you for having me on. It's my pleasure. I look forward to speaking to you. Yeah, me too. Good night.